flatline, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the market's did today on Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. All we can say is that there was news coming out from all over the place on Wall Street that really should have sent stocks selling or shooting higher, but we didn't see either. There was zero direction in the markets because it is the calm before the storm, but we're here to explain it to you. Welcome everyone to BHS Live. I'm your trader, Todd Schoenberger. I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith. And Toby, we entered today. We had a couple of days of selling. We had a lot of selling pressure that was taking place, but then we got news out of Bank of America as well as Wells Fargo telling us that consumers are indeed slowing down. They actually have metrics that are showing over the last Mm -hmm. three to four weeks that people are actually stepping on the brakes. They are not spending money. Therefore, we can only assume that Christmas is going to be very light on the retail side. But what do you think going forward next week? We have a critical inflation number as well as the Federal Reserve meeting. How is this going to set the tone for the stock market for the rest of the month as well as going into 2023? Yeah, well, you know, you know, the old saying: you never want to confuse the real economy with the stock market. And this, the stock market, I don't know, is it's like denial is not a river in Egypt. Somehow people don't have the spreadsheet that I have. It's really complicated spreadsheet. Here's the inflation rate. Here's the rate you have to get to to actually make a difference <laughs> because it takes a year and a half and or to two years for any of this stuff to have any impact. Now, the B of A yeah. and, the, and the Goldman Sachs stuff was is, 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 you know, they have their particularly B of A with all the accounts they have. You know, they see how many people charge something today. Did they use a debit card? Do you use a credit card? But it's credit card use that's being used more than debits, by the way. So you know, that's that's the sign that people are just starting to get tapped out, certainly on the cash standpoint. But remember, we have to lose at least a million jobs to get to a point. Because remember, it's this teeter-totter, right? We've got 9 million job openings. We've got like 4 million people uh, available. Well, if you lose a million jobs, then that comes down the amount of people working and the amount of jobs available. And the, this one comes up because there's more people working. You know, you get to some stasis, right? Um, yeah. But until the only way to get there is to have painful interest rates. Because ultimately, you know, we're 72%. 73% service economy. Well, dude, guess what? Freaking wages are up 6% in the in the report that came out Monday. It came in hot. It came in job creation. And, and, and yes, because guess what? Leisure and, you know, hospitality is the largest service employer in the world, except for, you know, uh, our army with 7 million people. Well, well let's, uh, let's talk about that real quick, though, because you're, you're seeing the job openings, but you're not seeing them in that high quality, high wage earning type of position. Yeah. And then we're getting word, it seems like every day now, we're, we're looking at the cover of the Wall Street Journal about tech companies having massive layoffs. Also, the Wall Street firms, Morgan Stanley cutting 2% of their staff. They started their layoffs yesterday. I mean, you have to suspect, and these are worldwide layoffs sure. going forward. People, these are high wage earning jobs and people are losing those jobs. So they can pivot into another job, but chances are it's not going to be at the level that they were earning in the early part of 2022. Well, let's not forget, and, Todd, too, that being fired or let go in December, uh, not that it's happened to me <laughs> a few times, uh, is uh, <laughs> is the worst, man, because just, you know, it's freaking Hanukkah and Christmas and you know, yeah. New Year, so and so forth. So, you know, usually if you have a white collar job, if you're let go or fired, there's, you know, a uh, package for you. So you have, you know, three, four months of cash, so on and so forth. But on the lower end, there's still a huge amount of job openings because, you know, as I always say, being in a restaurant and when I was like 15, 16 year old as a bartender, which don't tell them because I was supposed to be over 16 and I, I didn't uh, tell them that. Uh, the, uh, to 
keep the doors open, you need X amount of people inside your restaurant or inside your hotel or inside your nail parlor or whatever. And whether the you know the business person has positive cash flow, they have cash in the bank, they have credit line, but to keep the doors open, you need X amount of people. Otherwise, yeah. you get in that issue where there's a place that we like to go uh, down here, but it's like two hours to get in there because they don't have enough people. Yeah. So, you know, it's Yogi Bear. That place is so popular. Nobody goes there. It's true. I mean, the ones that, that, that you know, I don't who's going to wait an hour for you know food? So so they know this and they have to keep going and maybe they're going into reserves, et cetera. But it's, it's when, you know, a million jobs get lost that then, because remember, there's a multiplier effect there, obviously, you know, you're, uh, you're ahead of a family. So that's, you know, two to three per household, whatever, depending on your situation. But then, you know, if it's in certain areas, the retailers who are selling to those people, well, their sales start to go down. So then they get, we're still just working off the pandemic insanity, where particularly in, in the tech world, you never had anything like that. You never had anything, yeah. like, you know, where all of a sudden 130 million people are on Zoom and are working at home and they need a better camera and they need a, a, a iPad and they're at home. So they need a Sonos system and, you know, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Well, everybody's bought all that stuff. And now the, the if you look at the shipping from China to the United States ports and particularly on the West Coast, the rates are down 82% from the highs of just a year ago when there was 350 container ships tied up around the world. And, you, you know, you had to pay. I mean, I have a friend who imports export stuff. He, his normal rate for a big container for years was like $6,000. He was paying $63,000. Yeah. Uh, you know, at, at the height of this craziness. So that chunk has worked out. Certainly the supply chain stuff is much better. And that will bring down ultimately costs. But here's the other thing. I'm sounding like you. Here's the deal. Um, <laughs> when prices go up, they're a lot stickier. Uh, you know, okay. On an after inflation basis, our economy's you know negative two percent. In other words, if you add in the inflation rate, right, and then add that to the price or deduct that from the price of the of the uh, whatever your product you're selling, yeah, you're, the retailer's getting a higher amount, but the people who build it or, or made it are not, unless they raise their price. And once they raise their prices, in other words, the wholesale supplier, yeah, they don't like cutting them price cut. Right. They don't like cutting <laughs> price, you know, because right, all of a right. sudden, if inflation starts to come down, if their actual cost of goods comes down, but they don't lower their price because no one else is lowering their price. They keep their market share and now they're making much more cash. So it's an insidious thing. And that's why the that's why the inflation scares the, the holy crap out of Powell if people and intermediaries and producers all sit back and say, you know what, there's there's a new price level here. Uh, the, the idea of disinflation, yeah, we're going to get disinflation when rates start to get cut a little bit because cost of capital is a little cheaper. Right. Yeah, we're going to get a little disinflation because energy prices are down. But it's housing, damn it. It's housing. It's the, <laughs> well, that's, you know, that, yeah. that in healthcare. And those prices aren't coming down. Right. Those are sticky ones. And you're right about that. Let me ask you a question, though, because this is really good for the listeners. Now, Toby, you're a lot older than I am. (laughs) And um, and so you were around during during the Paul Volcker days. So here's the thing. Okay, now let's take the current state. Now, you have interest rates that were aggressively um, hiked. We saw, I mean, we went from, you know, what, they started at 25, 50, 75. Right, right. But I mean, the interest rate increases were just going, I mean, bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was so fast and so dramatic. And now instantly, now you have, it seems like a sudden slowdown that isn't going to be stopping anytime soon. So one of the biggest fears was that the Fed may have been too aggressive too fast. And therefore, you're going to have this recession and obviously the higher prices of inflation. But back during the Volcker days, he was also very aggressive. I mean, he was hiking rates nonstop. I mean, 
He wasn't afraid, but the economy did seem to to have a, a positive response, I guess, after 82. So what do you think? I mean, are are we still, yeah, I mean, are, because everybody's talking about the numbers are going to be bad yeah, in 2023, yeah. but are do you the, think it's just over, overblown? Yeah. Are these the same? Well, here's the three big differences. In the 80s, he was raising rates while the economy was contracting. Um, and for you know, if you look at the GDP uh, now number out of the fourth quarter for the Atlanta Fed, our economy is still growing at 2%. Uh, so there was a difference in, in the power of Volcker when, when uh, you know, uh, excuse me, when inflation rates were coming down, but he still kept his foot on the neck because what Powell's afraid of and what Volcker is afraid of is when people, and the other thing I guess remember is in 1978, about 30% of the employees were union members. And almost all the union members had pay rate, just like the Social Security rate here, Social Security, you know, dividends or benefits are going up 8.3% because the, the inflation has been so high. Well, the unions all had these these price multiplier deals. And so all of a sudden, you, you had nonstop wage inflation, wage inflation and housing inflation are the two most powerful pieces and healthcare. Of course, you know, we didn't pay much for healthcare in 1982, Todd, because they didn't have hard transplants. They didn't have, you know, there's so much stuff you didn't have. If, yeah. if, you, if you had a kidney disease, they say, go kiss, go see your friends because oh you're not God. coming back from this, right? <laughs> now, you know, crying out loud. Yeah. So, but that's the big difference. Um, we don't have okay. unionized labor, but we also have uh, the six million boomers who went out of the marketplace. We have three and a half million, you know, uh, people older than the boomers out of the marketplace. We have the most incredible number to me is the 18 to 20 to 35 year old males used to be in the labor force, shockingly, at about an 89 percent rate, unless you were you know, disabled or had other problems. It's now 71%. I don't know. How do these freaking guys make a living? Are they all living in the basement of their home or mom's yeah. home? <laughs> but that, that is a big gap that right. you just can't fill. And then on top of it, you know, our immigration system is just in, insane. The people who we should be getting to uh, come in, I mean, we have people with the green cards and people with the, the work visas. But if they lose their job, then if they don't get another job that's uh, relative to their work visa, they get shipped back. So we're in a yeah. death spiral of a service economy that requires a lot of bodies. And by the same time, the bodies have left the marketplace. And that's going to keep wages high and until you break that. And that's why I say you have to get to a million, maybe a million five hundred thousand of job losses to take the air out of the thing and say, okay, listen, I, I'd love to hire you, but I can only pay you four twenty-five. I can't do the five twenty-five that you're asking for six yeah. months ago. And the person says, Thank you very much. I need the job, or you know, relative, whatever that is. Right. Um, but right now the dynamic is 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 just shifting. And okay. what what scares the market is that when they see this, when when if they actually do the math, Todd. As I say, I was very bad at math, except for the math that counts. <laughs> if, if you have to get above 5% of federal funds rate, because everything else is priced off of that, yeah. then what do you do in 50 basis points, half a percent, or 75 basis points, three quarter percent? You have to get there, given this sticky wage inflation, given this sticky rents. All that stuff that's not going down. We know we've hit peak inflation, but there's a big difference between peak inflation, you know, at crazy 8%, yeah. uh, which was sort of a blip, and ongoing structural price inflation, which is what we have now. So the Fed has no choice to raise. Then when you look at equities, risk equities, 
I mean, we bought a ton of two-year treasury bills yesterday with a 4.7% yield. So two years, you have no risk of losing money. You're going you're gonna to get a 10% of growth on your dough, and you can sleep at night. Well, I, you know what that was 11 months ago? The, the, yeah. the rate on the two-year was like 1.6. Why get up in the morning? I mean, you know, <laughs> particularly if you're in a taxable account. So there's yeah. all, remember, it was always... There is no alternative to stocks. Well, now there's a lot of alternative to stocks and, and bonds. And we're just waiting for the bell to ring someone, I think, maybe in the first quarter of 2023. When the Fed gets above five, I'd like to see it five and a half percent. feel even better about that. Then okay. I can buy the two-year. I can buy the two-year with a five and a half percent or 5.7 percent yield. And the most beautiful thing in the world, Todd, Tell me. Is, is when you buy a bond that pays five and a half percent yield and then the money market rates go down. That you got the yield. You own it for the two years or five years, and the bond goes up in value. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's people Fair. forgotten. We made a shit ton of money buying bonds in 1985 and 86. I mean, we had a literally had a 20 year bull market, right? I remember buying a bond. This is how old I am. I remember buying like with five grand, uh, a California muni bonds that were paying 14% tax free. And when those, you know, I sold the bonds before they, you know, expired, obviously, and they were worth like 25 grand. I mean, people don't realize that there's a point in time where you can make a ton of money on the lowest risk products out there. And, and we're going to see that time, I think, in the next six months. But between now and then, uh, you know, the, the narrative, I just love the term narrative, the story that is dominant has to become, no, good economic news is bad news for the Fed. And you don't fight the Fed when they got to keep raising rates with risk assets for the most part. You know, we have some, we have a bull market within the bear market and the areas that we're in, but that's the story, man. And well, the fact that people good, get it through it, their fat freaking heads that this, this, oh, I'm so worried, you know, what is he raised to four and three quarters and it's going to crash the economy? Really? Really? It's um, already crashing. I mean, actually, you know, on Wall Street today, you had the Dow was up, I think, a point today. That was it. But there was a lot of activity in the fixed income market. So for fixed uh -huh. income traders, we actually saw that was really treasuries were, were signaling that, yes, we are, um, I wouldn't say they're dire times ahead, but definitely a weaker economy <laughs> is ahead. And there's no doubt about it. So um, Wall Street traders are already bracing themselves. And that's usually the leading indicator. And, and you know that as well as anybody, Toby, yeah, you know, I as mean, far as what we should look for. Be, you, know, the, you know, it's Wall Street, so you have to have your own cool name for it. So when the uh, two-year rate is higher than the 10-year rate, which it is now, yeah. that's called an inversion. And But, but what it says... Remember, the bond market's $120 trillion all over the world, okay? The stock market is a redheaded stepchild compared to the bond market uh, in size. So, and the U.S. Treasury, shockingly, are the largest, you know, at, at, uh, $3 trillion and $20 trillion in total debt. Um, so that's where you worry. And that's why the Fed, you know, came in so strongly in 07, 08, when, that, when you know, the things were broken, these things were blowing up all over the place. They remember that. And trust me, uh, if you watch screens on your Bloomberg and you see bonds blow up and there's no bid and you're talking about $5 billion order and you can't fill it, you know, you go through that. That muscle memory stays with you, Todd. Uh, yeah, trust me. So, no doubt about it. So, you, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you, though. I, you're going to learn more what's going on here from the bond market than you are from the stock market. Obviously, the second question is, given a recession, I call it recession light, because we're, 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 we're you know, if we get to 5 million unemployed, that still means there's 3, 4 million jobs available or 2 million, right? But if we get there, then, you know, Wall Street has to take down the earnings per share 
estimates for mm-hmm. everything, basically. Um, so when you go through that process, uh, live through that, OMG, um, uh, then you, you know, you, you think you hit, you, you know, you think you got a bottom and everybody's sold out, but we haven't seen any fear. Today, the VIX, the VIX measures how much it costs to buy protection against the, uh, the S&P. The fear indicator. It should be at, at 35, yeah. which is where bottoms are having. And there's extreme fear. People will pay anything to buy a put option that will protect themselves. It's at 23. And that is the strangest freaking thing. There there's absolutely makes no sense. Well, people, people are nervous yet. I mean, you saw the news reports today, but I don't think that that fear has yet to really start to, to overcome uh, a lot of investors. Don't forget, we also live in a DIY world. I mean, because of COVID, you have so many people that are trading on their own. It's not, they're not the ones that are heading for the hills yet. So once that starts happening, then it's look out below. So well, well, the, what happens. the YOLO and FOMO guys are wiped out. They, they put yeah. a, a data point out today that the average uh, brokerage account for America is down four zero, 40% from the top in Jeez. four Ooh. zero. Then if you go to the Robin Hoods and the circles and the, you know, SoFi's and FTX, well, FTX, she's, I guess it's zero. <laughs> uh, but I just call it anybody who in the last 48 months put their name on a, a sporting venue. Um, uh, those accounts are down 60%. Uh, and that's, you know, blended over everything. Uh, so, oh, yes. so, I mean, but again, it's all got to be proportioned. Remember that 15% of the households in the United States own about 94% of all the wealth. One five owns about 94% of all the wealth. The bottom 60%, well, now almost 65% of all American households only own 5% of wealth. So even though they're doing worse, their GDP spending is not even, you know, is not close to how the top 15, 20% of houses in terms of how much they're spending. So part of this thing the Fed has to do, they'll never tell you this, but when the market goes down, and particularly when people are down 40%, they sit down at the di- dinner table and turn the Game Boys off and say, you know, Sarah, we're not going to that freaking, uh, you know, Florence uh, wedding. You know, we're not going, you know, and you know, we were going to get you a new car. We're not going to do that. The, when the marginal buyers, the people who are the most price insensitive, start to yeah. get price sensitive, that's when you get a real recession. And we're yeah. we're getting there. But, but you know, wealth destruction it limits the people who have discretionary spending. Yeah. It's, when, it's when the wealth effect, the positive wealth effect, then people are saying, hell yes, we're going to Florence. And yeah, let's get two TVs for outside. Let's and, do it, baby. That's right. Because it's the wealth effect. I'm looking that's at those the wealth zeros, effect. baby. There yeah. you go. So irrational exuberance. I love that. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. Well, listen, Toby, let's wrap it up on that block. And coming up next, we will hope everybody could stick with us over the through the break. Because coming up next, we're going to be answering your questions. Wow, Toby, I have a ton of mail that was in the mailbag. We got to get to these these questions right now from listeners. We got a lot of only, interesting, uh, only interesting you would mailbag time. It's a mailbag. I know I feel like Santa Claus actually is a big bag of mail. So I gotta go through it. So listen, we'll talk about Buy, hold, sell live, brought to you by Transformity Research. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. 
you will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Nunn. Through a roller coaster journey, journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to BHS Live. Today is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Toby and I have been breaking down the market action, but really, really trying to dig into some of the details about what you should be able to expect going into next week because we got the inflation data and the Federal Reserve. And you know the story. They're going to be hiking rates. It's just a matter of how much and how much longer they're going to keep going. But listen, Toby, we have a number of questions because a lot of of our listeners like to send in their, their questions. They want us to answer them truthfully and they want to know your thoughts because you have a lot of expertise in this area so we got one here it's from a brian c he's in the bronx new york here's a question about well it looks like he wants to know now that the new york yankees have finally signed aaron judge to a 360 (laughs) million dollar contract despite a looming recession that could be taking place here in the united states what is it with all these sports teams and the colleges and spending the money? Should he be entering the sports industry? <laughs> well, I'll tell you that, I don't know, I've done television for like 25 years. Every television show I do is, is recorded, usually, and, or it's live, and then it's not available again. Well, yeah. then the streaming thing started, and mm-hmm. people, you know, can now see whatever they want to see. But the only thing that you want to watch live is sports. Yeah. And the advertisers want to have that person engaged 
and so that's why they become so valuable. So then therefore, when the New York Yankees, uh, I didn't know you were gonna ask this question, but I have a friend who worked there for a long time. When they, when they get a check on February 1st from MLB baseball, yep. for their share of the television rights, just the national rights, it's something like six and a half billion dollars. Then wow. you take the New York rights, because that's everything. Radio, yeah. television, so on and so forth. Then you take the, you know, the East Coast rights, the New York rights, Jersey. That's another billion dollars. Why? <laughs> because you generate so much content with 165 games times nine innings. Yeah. That the and 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 advertisers know, and here's the key, that it's live. So yeah, you know, you're not fast forwarding to you can't fast forward through the ads. And that's why sports is just crushing it uh, because in, in the video sense, because you don't fast forward. Right. And right. most people makes... don't record a game and then go watch it, you know, at 12 o'clock after 25 notices have gone on their computer that, you know, your team lost or won. You know, it is amazing when you really think about it, because now with network television, now like you brought up the streaming, that opens up an entire new universe of, of media outlet. So you have that many more eyeballs, that many more viewers. The content is endless, but there is this relentless demand for added content. You and I go through this all the time with what we're doing yeah. with Buy, Hold, Sell. But, but, it's, but it's not just on the professional level. It's also on that collegiate level. And you see deals like the Big Ten Network bringing in USC and oh, UCLA. Absolutely. I mean, huge dollars, billions of dollars. And even the individual uh, student athletes are now signing these NIL deals. I mean, Bryce Young alone is going to do $3.5 million this year. And he's not playing professionally. He's still in college. Can you imagine, yeah. Toby? If well, you, I you were at, in college, you made $3.5 million. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was in college in the 70s. There would be a lot of drugs involved. That's all I got to say. Um, but I, I did a thing for the BBC recently about these name, image, and likeness, NILS. And what I didn't realize about it was that, A, you can do it with high schoolers now. And, you know, Texas, crazy Texas for football and Indiana for basketball and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's high school kids that are getting Nils deals. Um, I can tell you, uh, as as a former really weak quarterback, like number three, if I would have got a Nils deal or a Camaro car to drive, <laughs> T-top Camaro, I would have never. I would have left school, man. I said I got it. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That is awesome. Well, let's the, get to the this Nils next deal, question. The, oh, go ahead. Thing, it's completely changed. The, uh, you know, certainly college sports. Uh, so, but but still, in all. If a sports fan is a sports fan and they want to, you know, what's fun for them is to watch like, and you can't, you know, change the channel and you can't run, you know, pass the, uh, the uh, ads. That's what's made it so huge. Um, and then everything else, once you've actually paid the money to put the people in the booth and pay them and so on and so forth, that's your hard cost. Well, if you can put that out to 25 different places before you can only go give to two, then you have zero cost of goods sold for all those other people who you get your contact to. So it's the economics is the end. The economics of college, high school in Texas, for God's sake, high school, college and professional, both male and female. And now, you know, soccer uh, is uh, unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. 
and don't forget lacrosse. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah, I so, like watching. I liked watching professional lacrosse. I, there you I, go. I'm blown away by how fast and how tough those guys are. My gosh. Of course, of course they're tough. That's right. All right. All right. Well, listen. Okay. Next, right, next question. question here. Okay. I got this one. This is from a Sam BF. Looks like he, it's, it's actually the postmark is the Bahamas. Very bizarre here. He's asking a question. Now that all the problems are taking place in the crypto market, would you recommend investors look at Bitcoin or any Ethereum or any of the other cryptos? Well, first off, it's Ethereum. And secondarily, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think I've explained this on the show many times. You have to separate in crypto the underlying use case of what you use this just, uh, you know, decentralized uh, cryptography for. Mm-hmm. The issue on Bitcoin is simply that it has no use case. Did I say case? Use case <laughs> because it costs a, a, a shit ton of money to actually do a transaction with Bitcoin. you got to pay both sides for the, you know, the, the gas, as they call it, the transaction fee. It's slow. Um, it could take two days for something to clear. The whole idea was that all, it was supposed to be instantaneous, very little friction, no cost. Well, it has none of that. Here's what it has. It is a religion. It is a cult. It is a group of mostly libertarian, young, middle, and, and uh, higher age. Yeah. strongly believe in the ethos that one day, uh, their system is going to prevail because all of these currencies and all these debts and everything else that's out there is just going to break the bank one day. Now, what they didn't take was economics 101 because there's this thing called the central banks. And the central <laughs> banks can push a button and, 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 and make cash, and they can take it out. I mean, there's sort of these, not even Keynesian, they're the you know, Austrian school of economics. People. That's who libertarians are. They believe that that if you don't have gold behind your currency, then you're a, a you know you're going to go bankrupt soon. Which would be really right, except we haven't had gold behind our currency for you know 50 years, and we seem to have done all right. So their yeah. their philosophy. If you get philosophy confused with economics, it's very bad. Now the other thing is, and I'm one of these people. You know, I have some Bitcoin. I lost the freaking wallet. You know there. If you look at the the Bitcoin that has not moved in since it's been created, of which there's about uh, ten thousand to fifteen thousand accounts. These are the whales, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they did have five hundred million dollars of crypto, and some of them had three billion dollars of crypto. And nobody sat them down and said, you know, if you have three billion and you sell one billion. You still have two billion, but it would have been sacrosanct. It. it would have been sacrilegious. You're right, right. To, to to sell because then you'd be saying that you're in it for the profit, not for the the bigger uh, good. yeah, the so, greater good, greater good. So Ethereum actually has a use case. You actually is a is a uh, you know it is a decentralized blockchain that other apps that provide valuable services used as the core. So at least you can make that thing. And the other thing with Ethereum is that they've gone to this proof of stake uh, structure as opposed to proof of work. Proof, proof of work is what happens when you're mining. You have you know, PCs all over the world and, and every time somebody wants to you know, do something on, on Bitcoin or Ethereum, uh, you have to solve a, you know, a puzzle, a, a crypto puzzle, and then you get gas, you get paid some way. 
Okay. Uh, they've gone to okay. the no, you know, no, no gas. They've gone to a proof of work. You still get paid, but proof, oh, excuse me, proof of, of, um, Concept? Me, of stake. Okay. It means you own Ethereum and you get paid yeah. in Ethereum a fee for, you know, doing that transaction. So at least Ethereum, if you're going to do one of those, at least Ethereum has a use case. Uh, okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm an investor in a company that uh, has outsourcing both in Ukraine and in uh, Argentina, by the way. Okay. We, we send a, a, a dollar, a token that has a hundred, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a token that has a hundred million dollars of cash behind it. And there's only a hundred million dollars of these coins. Okay. Yeah. So we send those to Ukraine and we send those to um, Argentina, Mendoza North. And that's how they get paid. They convert those to with a, a to a you know a currency converter, and but we have guys who make fifteen to eighteen dollars an hour in, in yeah. Argentina. It's worth like a hundred bucks an hour in Argentina because their peso is is almost literally worthless. Yeah, there's there's yeah. more United States dollars in Argentina than three quarters of the states in America. <laughs> right. Oh my so, goodness. So, and, and, you know, Ukraine is, you know, the same way is that the, the dollar and the pound is the, the, the deal. So there will be okay. some things, but just people at home understand that I'm not being facetious when I'm saying it. This is a cult of a religious like cult. It's a cult based around the idea that fiat currencies are all going to go broke because they're, only, they're not backed by gold. Well, this yeah. sound of Sam BF, so like that answer. That's for sure about that. SBF, huh? I think SBF's yeah. got some bigger problems. Where did these $6 billion of cash go? Oh, no. This is a, the, the questions are only are one way, though. You're not supposed to ask them the question. So listeners are asking you the question. So, so right. let's get the, So let me. So I want to get the one more question here, Toby. I'm reaching deep into the mailbag. There's lots of them here. So here's one for you. This is from a Santa C. From Napoli, oh no, I'm sorry, that's North Pole. Okay, he wants to know, Toby. I love your stuff, but now that there's a slowdown in the economy, do you think the retailers are going to be able to post anything positive this holiday shopping season? Let's say well, I would, <laughs> Santa. I would go with the uh, B of A, Wells Fargo, you know, Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. Visa, Mastercard, all the people who actually see the transactions. Yeah. And what's happened is, for, you know, when uh, for the first six months of the year, people, when they went use their card, they were using usually their debit card. They weren't putting it on credit. And, yeah. and that all sort of popped uh, midsummer. Um, and now you're seeing the fastest growth in credit card uh, use, you know, ever. Why? That is because, true. again, those bottom 60% of households who live paycheck to paycheck, if the paycheck goes down or they lose a paycheck, they don't have the resilience. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not poor enough to be on uh, aid and they don't have enough cash to work. And, and they've got, from what I said before, like one or two kids at home who keep wanting to have dinner every night. Whereas I'd say, get your ass out. If you want to eat, you get a job. But that's just me, Todd. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and I'm sure Santa C is going to take that and, and maybe he'll even have to I don't know. Maybe you have to find new work soon as well. So we'll have to see what happens. So, so listen, that does it for us. For If anybody does have any questions, so going forward, feel free to email us, send us, contact us on all the socials. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. 
we'll be happy to address those questions at another uh, at, a, at a future episode. So on behalf of Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. We thank you so much for listening to us here today on BHS Live, and we look forward to the next episode. Take care. Buy, hold, sell, baby. Buy, hold, sell. Buy, hold, sell. Right now, sell. Cheers. <laughs>